today. You're going to need it. Hallelujah. Brother Clifford. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hold your Bible up and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I have what it says I have. Today, the word of God will be preached boldly, powerfully, freely, authoritatively. It is the word of the living God. I submit myself to it. Treat it like I should. Not the word of men, but the word of Almighty God. The architect of my life. I plan to respond to it. I plan to believe it. I plan to live by it. And I plan what promises are preached to have them. Fullness in my life. I receive it today. Every seed of the ever-living, mighty, incorruptible, inerrant, majestic word of the living God is coming in my life. Hallelujah. Wave it around. Make the devil mad at Jesus. Glad glory be the God. Woo-hoo-hoo. Open your Bibles, please, if you would, to two openings. You know, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word's established. I was awakened this morning. Word of the Lord came to me, and this is the direction he wanted to go. Say this out loud. Hear the name. Now, you know, that name is an eternal name, so this doesn't just apply to one year. But I do know that he's speaking to it in the inference of great revelation being transferred to something that's going to change your life forever. Yes, sir. You hear the name? Nothing Nothing. will remain the same. same. That means a revelation of the name will change everything in your life forever. Now, hear me now. Because the Lord spe- said to me, coming into the year so much, he said, but he said, this will be a year of the great lifting up. Yes. You remember that? Yes, we talked about some applications of that. Well, why? Because he was highly exalted. Yes. He was lifted up, resurrected. The idea is resurrection power. To be raised up. To be lifted up. Yes. To be set really in the place you're supposed to be walking. Not walking below what you're created to walk in. Not calling normal what God calls a curse. Not settling for less than what the, Jesus, the blood of Jesus has bought and paid for. It is finished. And we're walking in victory this year. We're going to have it this year. Today, in fact. Today, in fact. The great lifting up. Yes. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready to be lifted up. Yes. Look at somebody else and say, I received my lifting up. Receive my lifting up. There's an anointing to take you to a higher place today. Yes. Oh, glory be to God. Yes. Go ahead and take your seat. Yes. See the enemy under your feet. Yes. Realize your life is bright. That, that old things are passed away and everything's become new. Woo. You know, uh, This is not my text. As you know, I'm in two openings, Luke 13 and Luke 11. And if you could find those, that'd be great. But if I were to refer to Psalm 113, verse 7 and 8, it refers to Jesus. And uh, it's a prophecy about Jesus through David. And basically he says he lifts up, he lifts up the poor and the needy out of the ash heap. 
and sets them with princes in the kingdom. Now, this is what he did when he was resurrected. He sat down. And when you were in him, you were crucified with Christ and buried with him. You were raised with him. You ascended with him. You sat down with him. You were lifted up in him. The moment you accepted Jesus, your life went to a higher place. Settle that right now. No high like the most high. That's why that name delivers drug addicts. Because they take a trip and don't leave the house and think they got high. No, you actually went lower. Spirit realm is the high place. When doors of opportunity are open for you, they're not in front of you, they're above you. That's what the Spirit of God said to John. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Amen. And he heard a voice saying, come up hither. Come up to the throne of God. A door was opened in heaven. You need to know that the doors in the spirit are above you. That the spiritual realm is a high realm. That if you want your high, remember Jesus talked about that? He said the high life. You let go of your lower life to receive the higher life. He talks about your life and his life and take up your cross. But he, he also describes it in another place to a gospel writer as you got to leave the low life. See, the world thinks Miller's the high life. No, Miller's the low life. Miller will put you like Garth Brooks, you know, friends in low places. But when you meet Jesus, you'll have friends in high places. Angels are attached to your life and places to walk and signs, wonders, and miracles. It takes you out of this realm so that you're in the world, but not of it. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, that there's more with you than there are against you. You quit trying to struggle through fighting through life, trying to figure it out, but you have the one in you that created the world that's going to show you your future and show you things to come. My, my, the high life. Glory be to God. The great lifting up, the awareness of the spirit realm. So the moment a person decides to walk in the spirit, They've made a decision to walk in a higher place. So you need to understand seeing things are of this world. They're temporary. That's the low life. Walking by faith is the high life. Nobody can walk in the spirit unless they're determined to walk by faith. Because when you're walking by sight, you're walking in the natural. Amen. So we don't walk by information received through our five physical senses. We walk by information received from his spirit to our spirit by revelation. And revelation is described so many times in the scripture as lighting a candle or illumination, the glory and the light of God. So we see that revelation means ding, 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 it dawned on me. Oh, I see that. Does that make sense? He's going to make you know something today that you're going to see inside your heart that your eyes can't see. In fact, he has a miracle in the house right now for you that you may have been in a long-standing situation and it became so familiar to you that if you were willing to admit it and then repent for it. Amen. Yes, sir. Let that sink in. If you're honestly willing to look in the mirror and admit it, yes, sir. then repent for it. And say like, for example, for a family member. You know things aren't like they ought to be. And it's been that way a long time. Are you hearing me? Yes, sir. 
to the point where you really aren't applying your faith to it anymore because you really don't expect it to change. So much has gone on, it can never really be like it was. So if you're willing to admit you're not in faith, then you'll no longer get condemned about nothing changing because it can't change till you get in faith. And to get in faith means you've got to take it out of the familiarity. You've got to quit talking about those people like they are and start using your faith to help them and deal with the spiritual forces that are arrayed against you and them to try to keep both of y'all in a low place. That's why the Lord said you had to have premeditated forgiveness. Okay. Y'all were excited about the high life. I'm talking to you about the high life. I'm not talking about the hard life. I'm talking about his yoke is easy as burden. The hard life is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like taking a millstone, hanging it around your neck, and it jerks you over into the ocean, and there's no swimming and no breathing. You better get rid of that. That's poison. That's like taking arsenic, hoping somebody else dies. Unforgiveness doesn't hurt you. It hurts, I mean, hurt them, it hurts you. You can't hold anything in this realm. You can't hold on to anything from the low life and rise to the high life. Because it's weights, it's anchors, it, it's tethers, it's chains. It, it'll hold you to this life. So you've got, in order to have that person that you want to change, change, then you've got to remit their sins. Okay, I didn't mean to get this deep into this, but let me go a little further. See, this is something that people don't understand, and so I'm going to hit this a lick and a promise and get, get back to Luke 13, okay? I'm going to hit it very fast, but I want you to hear it because this isn't preached much in church. You hardly never, ever hear it. In fact, I've never heard another person except for, she mentioned Rama, Dad Hagen, Dad Hagen Sr. I've never heard another person in all my life in ministry except for the Lord's led me to preach on it several times. But I've never heard another preacher that I'm aware of in all the meetings I've been in ever preach on these verses. That says something about it. It means they know nothing about it. Now, the first one I've heard them preach on, but also, but they preach on it in this regard, that is when the disciples were born again. So, but I'm going to go at it a different direction in John 20 very quickly. I'm not going to even turn to the verses. I'm just going to go at it, all right? And then 1 John 5. I may go to the verse in 1 John 5 because you need to see it, okay? But in John 20, Jesus breathed on them, said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. And then he said, Whosoever sins you remit, they're remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they're retained. Right. Now, what most people have no idea about is the fact that this is the authority granted us in the name of Jesus to bind and loose. Man, it's quiet in here. People, because they don't know who they are in Christ, don't know they have been granted this authority. That when I forgive somebody, I loose them to be forgiven. And I loose myself to be forgiven. And that if I retain, if I, if I, if I, if I won't forgive them, I'm holding their sin on them, and therefore I'm going to get a harvest from that seed, and my sin's going to be held on me. It's binding and loosing. And you get it the moment you come into Christ. Because you're a new creature now. You're not that old person that used to hold grudges. 
or had jealous tendencies. Or you know, it's like one person said when they got real angry, they said, uh, well, that's the old Irish in me. I said, no, that's not the old Irish in you. It's the old devil in you and you need to get free. You're, you're not Irish. You're born again. Well, that's the old German in me. No, it's not the old German in you. It's the old stubborn devil in you. And when you come into Christ, you lose the German and you lose the stubborn, which is witchcraft, by the way. According to the scripture, 1 Samuel 15 says stubbornness is witchcraft. When you're willing to stand in the middle of a train track and argue with a sign with a train coming, you got major problems that nothing but deliverance can fix. Because if you have to be right, I mean, I've got to be right. I'm going to have the last say. Oh, you're in big trouble. And unless that gets rooted out, you're never, ever going to grow from where you are. Not ever. You're stuck. And the train's coming. You're about to get flattened. You're going to get squashed on the railroad because that's ultimate pride. It's a spirit of witchcraft because what it is is manipulation and control. When you, you understand, witchcraft isn't a demon. It's not like a witch and with a crooked finger. According to the scripture, Galatians 5, witchcraft's a work of the flesh. And not only is it a work of the flesh, it is intimidation and manipulation for the point of domination. People will pout, get angry, do all this to get their way. That's witchcraft. And you need to be delivered from that. Spiritual growth will deliver you from that. Even if your parents did it to you while you were growing up. Even if it's a behavioral emotion that you learned so young that it seems natural and you hadn't realized you were doing it. The very thing you hated, you started doing that's why abusers grow up to be abusers often. Alcoholics grow up to be alcoholics because you will become the thing you hate the most. Because if you hate it and keep on hating it, you're running in fear from it, trying not to become it. And what you fear will come upon you. So you've got to learn how to remit people's sins. Hello? Yeah. You have to learn how to remit. Yeah. People's sins. I said you have to learn how to forgive people. Now, I'm going to read something, and I think the reason that most of Christendom, especially Protestant Christendom, stays away from these verses, 1 John chapter 5, I'm going to read these verses, and I, I mean, most people live and die, come and go from church and never know these verses are even in the Bible. Um, but before I give you the, the chapter and verse, because I don't want you reading ahead of me like figuring it out, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear what I'm saying first. I have, I believe with all of my heart, you know, God is the judge of the heart. You can't say that every Catholic is not born again and they're in heresy. You can't say that. There are a lot of people I've known that have gotten only born again in the spirit field. It doesn't mean that everything in their theology I agree or line up with at all. I certainly don't believe you pray through Mary to get to Jesus. There is no such thing as purgatory. 
All of those things. I won't get into the depth of that. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm just telling you that a lot of these ideas, which are really just tradition, that don't carry the power to deliver, hold us in bondage. And the truth is what makes us free. And I want the truth. So there is this idea that I don't know a lot about because I didn't grow up Catholic and it's not like I've done an in-depth study, but it's pretty obvious that the idea is absolution, which means no matter what I do, I can sit down with the priest and I can confess it and he can say, do this, do this, do this, you're absolved. But that doesn't mean you're absolved until you ask for forgiveness in your heart and believe it. The priest is not given that authority to absolve you of murder unless you repent. So let's get clear that what we're about to read sounds a whole lot like the confessional booth in the Catholic Church. But it's not. And I know it's not. Because Jesus said you shouldn't call any man father, really, except God. So that's out of order with the Scripture. Evidently, if Peter's the first... I, I'm, why am I getting in there? I'm helping somebody. I know, I know I, I can sense it in here. So I'm just going to obey God. Don't write me any ugly letters. I love you anyway. It doesn't matter. We can agree to disagree, but I'm just telling you by the Spirit of God, there's a reason a lot of perversion. Now, I'm not saying it's not in the charismatic church. It's not in the Methodist church. and the Baptist church. It's all over. Satan is a liar. He's a thief. He is who he is. He'll never change. And so children are getting molested and pastors are falling into sin and all kind of stuff in every kind of church. So I'm not singling somebody out. I'm trying to give you some revelation about how to stay free. No matter who you are, Protestant, Catholic, doesn't matter. But one thing I do know, and I had a spiritual father, and we were talking about this. Uh, I have a number of them, and I call them spiritual fathers because the apostle Paul wasn't out of order with the Holy Ghost when he said you have 10,000 trusters in Christ, not many fathers. They, Abraham's called Father Abraham. So when Jesus said what he said about father, he didn't mean the absolute of you could never use that word. You could never recognize that kind of relationship because God created the family and he created the spiritual family. So don't take anything to the ditch. Key is stay in between the ditches. Yes. But, but in the religious sense of the idea of the title father given to a priest where you can go and get absolved and all of those, that's what he's talking about. Religious tradition, ceremonial type things of that nature. That's what he's really talking about. Are you hearing me? Yes, so it's important to hear this because it'll help you a lot. And, uh, you know, ooh, I'm, I'm going to touch on something now. And I just, I'm almost hesitant, but I can feel the anointing all over me to do it. So I'm going to obey you, Lord. It's your ministry, so I'm going to do it. Praise the Lord. A lot of people wondered why, well, let's talk about Catholicism as one example of so many things that need to kind of come in line here. But, um, and our assignment in the pulpit is to preach the truth, not to correct problems. So I'm doing my best to reveal the truth. So you need to know my heart here. But why was there so much pedophilia that got uncovered in the Catholic Church? Why? How, how come that happened? Just like it ran through the ranks and all types of molestation and preached with young boys and all kinds of stuff. Why did that happen like it did, like, like a fury? Because they're out of order. <gasps> you calling them out of order? Yeah. They don't let their priests marry. That's unscriptural. So to make a man not marry 
to be in the ministry when he doesn't have the grace to be celibate. And it's against Scripture. Breaks the covering. In many, many ways, one of the greatest aspects, other than Jesus, one of the number one, I mean highest forms of the covering in our whole ministry for to protect me, is that woman sitting right there? He told me early on, he said, pay attention to what I say to her. He said, I put a heightened spirit of discernment on her. He said, don't think it's a woman's intuition or suspicion or all that. He said, I put a heightened spirit of discernment on her to protect you. And I have never seen once somebody she's come to me about and said, you know, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, over 40 years, when it's hit 100%, you start paying attention. So I'm so glad God told me that early because I noticed early when she said, now be cautious there, don't do that, that she wasn't just jealous. And everything she said, now, I know there's a lot of women that are jealous. I know there's a lot of men that are jealous and I know they do it in the natural and they try to control. That's witchcraft. She's never once tried to control me. She's never once not, not submitted, been proper order, any of those things. It's been by love and in faith. But she believed it so strongly that she was right. She had enough authority and boldness that she stood her ground, whether I agreed or disagreed. And I always loved that about her. I didn't want to marry a doormat. I needed a partner. And every day, wherever I am in the world, I'm just so grateful. Hallelujah. Anyway, I didn't mean to get into that. The point is, so this is out of order scripturally. If Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, then it ought to be pretty well easy to see that the first pope was married. Enough said. <laughs> oh, glory to God. All right, now let me read this scripture because I don't want you like kicking it out because of your religious tradition. Oh, oh, like swallowing a big camel. I can't go there. No, you better go here because in these last days, these are spiritual judgments that are going to save you bacon. If you get some revelation, you might not have ever heard about this your whole life. I'm talking about binding and loosing and the authority granted to us. 1 John chapter 5, is this New Testament? Yes. Is John an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, sir. Was he one of the ones that was standing there when Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, whosoever sins you remit, they're remitted, whosoever sins you retain, they're retained. Was he standing there when Jesus said that? So when Jesus breathed on him, what was he doing? Delegating the authority to them to do that. Now, you need to understand something that I've, I've connected it and I've walked in it many years, but I don't preach it a lot because these are just things, honestly, that I probably need to preach to preachers to help them get over the hump to even understand it, much less folks in the pew that, you know, think, what? I, don't, I never heard such a thing. Oh, he's way out there. But you need to understand I'm solid in the scripture on this. When they broke open the roof and let that man down, he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Yeah. Yes. 
Did he not? And when they, oh, who can forgive sins but God only? He said, what's easier? To forgive sins or to say, son, take up your bed and walk. And then he made a statement so that you may know, so that you may know. The Son of Man, listen, has power on earth to forgive sins. I say to the sick of the palsy, rise, take up your bed and walk. And so his message was not only is as easy to be healed as it is forgiven and all of that. His message is power and authority to forgive sins is the same power and authority that heals. So if he transferred that to us as his body, we don't have any problem. Well, a lot of church does, but I mean, you know, at least here you've come to come to the idea that believers could lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. Huh? But you don't have any idea. Did you know Paul said one day that we'll be sitting on thrones judging angels? You know what demons are, don't you? Fallen angels. So when you cast a devil out in the name of Jesus, what are you doing? You're judging an angel? Well, if you've got authority to judge angels, you have authority to judge sin. And the way you judge sin doesn't mean you run around judging everybody and correcting them. That's not how you judge sin. How you judge sin is Jesus defeated sin. He took the sin of the whole world on him. Here's how I judge sin. I see you and not even born again. But I see in you what Jesus saw in you when he died before you when you were living in sin. And I say he has judged sin from heaven. Therefore, I have the authority to believe God will work this miracle in you and your sin will not hold you, and God will recreate you. I will not hold your condemnation upon you for what you've done and how you've lived in the world because Jesus is about to make you a new creature. I judge that sin in your life and command it to get off of you. Now, won't you accept Jesus and come on into what he did? You see this? We have the authority to judge sin. He judged it in our behalf. And we were in him when it got judged. He didn't go to hell for his own sin. He went to hell because our sin was on him. So when he raised from the dead, he didn't defeat his sin. He defeated ours. So when he transferred that name to me, he gave me authority to defeat sin, which means any besetting sin in a believer's life, the name and the blood will break his power and then come right on out of that sin. There's a grace that will bring you out. I'm just trying to teach you some things about authority. So if you remit sins, now listen to this verse. Now I'm taking you somewhere. Obviously I need to get a, uh, I had to get you some kind of foothold. It's kind of like, this is kind of like a sheer face cliff for most people in religious tradition. They can't even read these scriptures. That's why all these years, Mr. I've never heard it preached on by anybody else. Because they don't even want to scale the heights of this idea. Because of the persecution and the religious tradition and their own condemnation that beats them down over it. But I'm going to read you a scripture right now that you need to see. Today seems to be a day. We must be coming on up. Maybe, maybe it's this anointing that came talking about spiritual growth. But look at this. First John chapter 5. Yes, sir. Ooh, glory to God. Verse 16. Now we can back up a few verses above it, but we don't have time for that. I don't want to take time for it, I should say. And so therefore, let's read this. If any man, that's kind of interesting. He didn't say if the father, the priest, or an apostle. 
Are you reading this verse? Yes, sir. If any man see his brother, that would be and or sister, sin a sin, which is not unto death. Look now. He shall ask. And he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. That's an open door of intercession to save people that don't know what they're doing or going to be eaten alive by the devil, but you can stand in between them and the devil and forgive their sin and God will honor it. It's, It's a New Testament manifestation and reality of what Abraham did when he got Lot out of Sodom. It's the same exact manifestation of what happens in a couple that's unequally yoked where the husband's saved and the wife isn't or the wife's saved and the husband isn't. He said he'll honor huh, that believing one over the unsaved spouse else with the kids unclean. Same thing. God's not looking to curse you. He's looking to bless you. He's not looking to keep folks out. He's looking to get them in. He's not holding your sin on you or he wouldn't have died on a tree. Doesn't mean sin's not real. Doesn't mean that when you, when you see it and acknowledge it, you don't need to confess it. You have to do all of those things. I'm simply saying that God so wants you to have life that until you awaken, he'll let me step in between him and you, and I mean you and the devil, and hold life on you instead of hold your sin on you. And it's the thing Jesus used to keep Peter from becoming Judas. You understand, Judas made a decision, and once he made that decision, even Jesus couldn't keep him. That's true. But Peter had a quick, repentant heart, even though he had a weak moral nature and was blown about by his emotions. And Jesus stepped in there and prayed for him that his faith fail not, and he got converted and became Peter the apostle. His character changed, all because of this law right here, that Jesus had authority to bind and loose. And to bind and loose means I can remit sin or retain it. So I choose today to forgive you. No, y'all didn't get that. I choose today by the authority of the name of Jesus who's authorized me and assigned me to preach this today in an unusual manner under the anointing. Be forgiven. Nobody's sin in the room is held upon them today. I break the consequences of that off you today. I call you the righteousness of God in Christ. I wash you spirit, soul, and body by the blood of the Lamb. I say you are members of the Christ. You are members of this church. We are partners together, and you are washed. You are clean. Old things are passed away. Everything's brand new. Now rise to the new life and the full life God has called you to walk in. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Will you receive it? Rise on up out of self-condemnation. Rise on up out of beating yourself up. Rise on up out of inadequacy. Rise on up out of holding your own sin on your head. Quit repenting over and over for something Jesus already forgave you for. Act like you're forgiven. Talk like you're forgiven. Walk like you're forgiven. And call yourself the righteousness of God in Christ. Glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. 
Oh, glory be to God. Do you see what God's doing in the house today? Woo, he's setting some folk free today. Now come on up out of that babiness and grow spiritually. And quit holding that stuff on your family. And quit holding that stuff on yourself. And quit holding that stuff on your spouse. And quit holding that stuff on your children. And quit holding that stuff on your cousin and auntie and uncle and and M and M and M. Quit, quit, stop all that mess. Yes, sir. Come on out. Come on up. Come on out. Come on up and come on out. So what if your father was an alcoholic? You won't be now. So what if you got molested when you're young? You're not going to molest your kids. Forgive him. Forgive her. Cut them loose. Remit it. Now, with premeditated forgiveness. Woo! Boy, and there's healing in the room. Man, there's healing in the room. Man, there's healing in the room. Boy, I, I've got so many stories. I tell you, be seated real quick. I've got so many stories that now it seems like they're flooding back from, you know, all, all of the continents and the messages and the miracles. I learned something this week alone that I had already known the bulk of all the miracle, and it was kind of a little bit like uh, almost identical to what happened over here with McKenna when that angel, those angels appeared and gave her a new liver. Well, she was healed and the miracle came and everybody was excited until she gave her testimony on, on things. And then she said, that's the first I knew about the angels, like how many years later? Yes, sir. <laughs> Same thing happened with a brother. Did any of y'all watch any of the services while I was in? Yes. Did any of y'all see the testimonies that happened? Yes. Let testimony that glory to God. Well, we had a, oh, by the way, if you happen to see it, did anybody see us standing up there with that couple where the son was healed of leukemia? And the handkerchief, anybody see that? So, did y'all see the testimony? All right. I just got word this morning, you know, the young lady I threw the handkerchief on, she fell out? She went and shared with her father that had dementia and he got born again. He was conscious, cognizant. She led him to the Lord. I just got that this morning. Woo! What would Jesus do? I mean, I knew about the handkerchief. I even knew about when she brought it, when the, when the daughter brought it and they were in the hospital and the blood transfusion. I knew about all that. And when she took the handkerchief out, she's trying to scrub up and it blew him. The handkerchief knocked him against the wall. And he said, don't worry about all that stuff. Those gloves and masks ain't going to do anything. Dear God, she, you know, this is the cleansing agent right here. They just ran that cough in there, you know. They ran that handkerchief in there. All unscrubbed and everything. No mask, no gloves, no nothing. They didn't care after the handkerchief came out and blew him against the wall in the hospital. What I didn't know is the young man that was healed of leukemia told me for the first time, and y'all saw the testimony, oh my goodness. He said, well, when the cloth was placed on his chest, suddenly he turned and he looked and he said the healing angel was in the room and, and walked over there and put his hand on his chest on top of that cloth. When that cloth was sent in the name of Jesus, that angel went with it. And I'm telling you, this, this remission, this retaining, remission, this power to bind and loose, this, this freedom that's in the house, I, I can feel it. It's running like an electric river through the camera. There are lives and families being changed all throughout uh, our Internet members and the, the folks that are connected to us now in Jesus' name. 
I had forgotten this till right now. The Lord brings it to my attention. And so evidently he's serious about this. And, uh, and so I'm going to take just a couple more minutes here to do this. Keep your openings now in Luke 11 and Luke 13. We, we won't be long now. He's actually leading us into it. I see now how he's leading us into it. So we won't be long in those passages. But there was a man that came to my office early in the pastorate in another city. And I'll never forget when he came, his hand was like this. And a couple of his fingers were frozen and they almost looked, I mean, they were, and you could see the scar tissue and everything had just frozen them and so forth. And, uh, and so he came and he sat down, he had longer hair and a beard and he kind of lived in the country. I mean, you know, the, the, I, the city we were in at the time is 5,000 people. And so, you know, that's, he came to the city. <laughs> okay. So you get it right. <laughs> so he lived in the country and, um, turned out that, uh, I, and, and he starts telling me about his hand, you know, and he started coming to church and he'd really been blessed by the anointing and the power and what he'd heard. And he'd been bitten by a rattlesnake. Well, he survived it. And, uh, but the damage, he was bitten on the hand by a rattlesnake. And so the damage left him with scar tissue, his hands, fr fingers frozen and all that. And uh, it was on his right hand. And, you know, he's like most country boys down south. I mean, he's a hunter and a fisherman and all that. So, it, you know, kind of affected that, but. So he's telling me the story and we got to talking about some things. Well, somehow his dad was a very hard man. Now, one thing led to another. This wasn't really what he came for. He came for that and all the stuff in his life and he couldn't figure out why that, you know, he, even as a little boy, he had heard about Jesus, but he never lived any kind of a stable life and his life was a mess and family was kind of a mess. And so he came to get help, you know, one of those kind of things. And so, and plus he wanted to be healed and some other things, and we were talking. Anyway, so we're in there in my office, and um, he's talking to me, and one thing leads to another. Uh, tell me about yourself, and, and I know, you know, it's, now this is many, many years ago, so I'm not going to tell you the exact details. I don't remember all the conversation. I'm going to remember the, 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 the points that really count. And that is that he would say something, and by the gifts of the Spirit, it would prompt me to say something or ask a question. And so by the Holy Spirit, we begin the journey of digging to the root of the issue. Does that make sense? All right, now, now that you see that scenario, turns out that when he was about 16, because uh, his dad was a very hard man, and, he, and evidently he had PTSD uh, from the war, and I guess he had fought in Vietnam, those kind of things. And so the family's around one day at the table, and they had what, a, a, a firearm he had brought back from Vietnam, and it was a fully automatic weapon. And they had filed the trigger down where it was like a hair trigger. And, you know, things that country boys do sometimes. Uh -huh, yeah. Anyhow, he's 16 years old, and he had this automatic weapon in the house. It's loaded. It's got a hair trigger on it. The family's sitting around in the den. They lay that automatic weapon on the table. Nobody's around. It's in the middle, like the dining room table. He lays it down. When he hit the table, it set it off. So it goes, well, when it did, with every backfire, the gun would jump. So you can imagine this gun spinning on the table. An automatic weapon spinning on the table. And it filled the whole den. Um, riddled the family members with bullets and those kind of things. I won't get into the details of that. But his dad was a very hard man. So, I mean, he, he, he's like ever since, you know, it just, he's 16 years old. His life, a mess. 
now totally dysfunctional. And the devil's not going to let him alone about this. He's going to say it's your fault when he wasn't the one that tampered with the gun or anything. I mean, he's 16 years old, you know. But he was the one whose hands it was in. So the devil's saying it's your fault. What happened to this family is your fault. You're, you know, well, he was still alive. He didn't kill himself, but he fought those kind of thoughts and all kind of bit with the rattlesnake. You can see the kind of life he's living because this demon's following him around. And he was very bitter against his daddy. And once, once we kind of went down the river and kept digging at the roots, I finally got to the place to where the sore spot was. What caused all this? Was he had bitterness and unforgiveness against his father, and his father was very hard and abused and those kind of things. I said, you know, you're going to have to forgive him. I said, if you want to be healed and free, if you ever want to serve Jesus, if you really want free of this torment, you're going to have to forgive him. He started, he was just, his, he bowed up. <laughs> I'll never forget it. <sighs> and then he said, I can't. I said, why not? He said, I have no hope. I can't. He said, dad's dead. I said, oh, yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, you can. I said, you know no man after the flesh. Forgiveness is not a fleshly thing. But he's in the ground. You don't understand. We buried him. He's dead. He's in the cemetery. I said, I do understand. I said, it doesn't really matter where he is. There's a touch point, and you're going to have to go to the cemetery in front of that tombstone as if he's standing there. Are you hearing me? Yes, sir. And you're going to have to forgive him for everything he's ever done to you and hope you see him again. You think he might have been born again? I don't care if he had alcohol issues or whatever. You seem to think that he had an opportunity to accept Jesus. The God of heaven and earth will do what's right. I'm not here to tell you your dad's in heaven, but I'm telling you there's a really good possibility he is because you can't even imagine the mercy of God. So if you ever want to see him again and you ever want it to be right, you go out to march your blessed assurance down to the cemetery, stand in front of that tombstone and forgive him. When he yielded and that began to happen in the room, all of a sudden his deliverance started happening. He started unfolding. God healed that snake bite. I'm talking about whose sins you remit, they're remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, they're retained. That snake bit him not because the snake bit him, not because it was an unfortunate incident. It was the venom of all that unforgiveness that opened the door to it. You have to understand that once he got, once he released it and forgave, you know, there's a story uh, in uh, uh, several of Dad Hagen's books about Smith Wigglesworth. And of course, it's actually in Smith Wigglesworth's book of the Apostle of Faith, Ever, or Ever Increasing Faith, I think it is, where there's a man named Lazarus who had spent his days working in the mines and other things, hard labor. And at night, he'd travel and preach. And he basically had, didn't give himself any rest. So he'd lived his life for the gospel. He was a preacher. And, uh, and so he got lung disease from the mines and all kind of things. And he was literally flesh over bone, wasting away, laying in the bed like a skeleton. And uh, his name was Lazarus. That was his name, Lazarus. And Lazarus was a hard strapping man. I'm talking about, you know, grit of the teeth, blue collar, down in the mine, American. You know what I'm talking about? And in those days, even harder, because there was no comforts in those days so many years ago. 
And here he's preaching at night in the cold and against the modern conveniences. And he literally broke the laws of physical nature, opened himself up to it. He got sick because he worked himself down to this point and it opened up and he got sick. And they came around his bed. I'm talking about the shaking now. Uh, you know, there's a shaking going on. I had a dream the other night, literally, uh, last night actually. <laughs> and um, in the dream last night, I saw a, I had a, a, a stalk, but you couldn't tell what it was. I had a bundle in my hand. I had a bundle in my hand and I looked down at it and there was leaves. It's like, you know, you know, in the wintertime when all the dead leaves get blown up and if they're blown up like in your landscape, how it can get up around the monkey grass and all in the book. And it looks like you don't have any landscape. You know, it just gets up. And, and you take the blower and blow it all out and there you're, it comes back again, you know. That's what this was like in this dream. And I had two, two scenarios of it. It's happened to, to me twice in the dream where I, I had a bundle of something and I knew somewhere in there it was like grain, like, a, like stalks of wheat, but you couldn't see them. They weren't defined. There was leaves and tumbleweed and debris and weeds picked up like you pick it up. It's all grown in, and they're growing in the midst of these weeds. And I, I still remember in the dream, I took this bundle, Brother Dave, I took this bundle and I started going, <laughs> shaking it just violently. And when I did, all that stuff blew off and, and suddenly there was pure, separated, whole wheat in my hands. This happened twice. I picked up another something that wasn't wheat. It was something else just like that. And the Lord said, I'm shaking the stuff off the church. I'm, I'm separating the, the chaff from the wheat. I'm, I'm, they need to understand the shaking is not to destroy them. It's shaking the stuff off of their lives that is destroying them. I'm bringing them into their harvest. They need to know to embrace the shaking. Well, this Lazarus guy, he, he's at death's door. And so they come around and they ring his table and several folks are with him. And they said, uh, they said you know what? We're not going to even pray. We're going to use the name of Jesus. And they're just saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He said the power of God would fall in the room and it would lift. Jesus, Jesus. They'd say it and it'd fall in the room and lift. It's happened a number of times, somewhere between five and seven times. Finally, the last time, he said, he started crying out loud. The power of God came on him. That, it's kind of like that old Naaman, uh, Naaman, I call it, uh, you know, that Syrian general that was, had leprous, and he got all bowed up. My banner in Farpar, there's cleaner rivers than this. Why? You prophet told me to go jump in the river. Seven times he told me to go jump. All about himself, you know. And that's the way Lazarus was. Sometimes it takes seven dunks to get you out of all that mess. power of God fell on him and lifted, fell on him and lifted, fell on him and lifted. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They surrounded the bed. Finally, the last time it fell on him, the bed shook. Everybody shook. The bed got lifted up and shook. He said it was a physical manifestation. And Lazarus began to cry out to God. Oh God, I've been so, so, so bitter. See, nobody knew, but Smith Wigglesworth discerned by the gifts of the Spirit that he, he was bitter against God for this even coming on him because he figured he had given his life for the gospel and God shouldn't have let this happen. And, and Lazarus was bitter against God and he was going to die in that bed if he stayed in that bitterness. Are you listening to me? And the bed shook him up and down and wham, it hit. And finally, he said, if you'll repent, some of us have told him in this growing, if you'll repent, God will hear you. 
You know, who can just see it? And he cried, I repent, oh God, forgive me. And he said, everything shook, the room shook, the bed shook. Smith Wigglesworth looked at everybody. He said, okay, it's all right now. All y'all leave the room. I'm going to stay with him, but I will not assist him. I promise you I'll not lift a finger to help him. And he stayed in that room in the glory. And Lazarus got up out of the bed. He dressed himself. He was immediately healed. Skin and bones, looked like a walked-in skeleton, and all of a sudden he started to fill out. He could breathe again. He walked downstairs, and, they, and everybody in the house, they considered him a dead man. I mean, they'd already written him off. I mean, the coroner had already been there. But the family saw it, and they said, ah! They began to scream because they thought they saw a ghost. They didn't, they didn't ever expect him to come walking down those stairs. And here comes Lazarus down the stairs, healed, dressed, walked in there and said, fix me something to eat. Give the Lord a shout right now. I want you to know right now that the Lord is trying to get you like this man in Arkansas to shake off the, the, rattle, the, 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 the rattlesnake bite by releasing that forgiveness to rise up like Lazarus came off the bed by releasing all that mess. If you release all of that mess, get all of that out of your way by a premeditated decision, your life will change forever. And I mean today. I mean right now. I mean everything in your life will start lining up. All right, I see what the Lord's done here. Can you stay with me to at least read the scripture? So when I was awakened, I saw it. It's Luke chapter, Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 11. We're going to look at it very quickly here. I want you to see this. I'm going to read verse 16 and then I'll back up. But let's look at Luke 13, 16. There was a woman that came into one of Jesus' meetings. We'll back up and read it in a moment. <clears throat> but this woman that came into one of Jesus' meetings was a woman that he describes to the Pharisees after she was healed, after she was healed here, the Pharisees didn't like it at all. They were indignant. And, uh, but Jesus' response to them, calling them hypocrites, was this. And ought not this woman. Hallelujah. Now look at this. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound low these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Jesus said three things about her. Number one, she's the daughter of Abraham. Number two, it was Satan that did it. And number three, she should be loosed now. Loose now. Number one, God didn't do this, the devil did. And because she's a daughter of Abraham, she should be loosed right now. Cut her loose now because she's Abraham's daughter. Now I want to read the second opening, Luke eleven thirteen, And we'll come back to Luke 13 in a moment, starting verse 10. But right now, let's go back to Luke 11. Verse 13, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? She was a daughter of who? Amen. She was God's child. Yes, sir. Do you see why she received this miracle? Yes, sir. How much more? How much more? If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? What we see in this woman's life was a work of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to heal. When we see her healed, we see she's a child of God. We see God the Father gave her the good gift of the power to eradicate this disease and what called it, caused it by the Spirit of God that comes upon her to break it. You need to know that the Holy Spirit is available to manifest these good gifts in you today. You need to know, I was awakened with this. I saw it in the spirit. It was hanging in front of me. And the Lord said, this is what I'm doing in the room today. This is where I want you to go today. And he said, there's many people whose lives are bent over, but they're going to be straightened up. So let's go back to... Glory to God. Now can you see what the Lord's done with forgiveness? Now can you see what he's trying to do in a person's soul? Now can you see the doorway, the gateway to the real miracle you need? Inside your heart, he's doing a miracle. Not just in the seen realm. The seen realm will come. In the unseen realm, it's going to straighten you up. Glory be to God. Luke chapter 13. Now let's go back to verse 10 and let's see the story here. Let's see the story here. It says that he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Are you looking at that? Yes. So this woman's in the synagogue. Yes, sir. Or at least she's out looking through the windows or the doors or something where in the crowd she can hear. He can obviously see her because it says, Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost, some unusual harvests are coming. Seven unusual harvests to you in 2022. And among those, things that have been lying dormant a long time are going to get finished suddenly. Things you've been, that God promised you years ago are going to begin to manifest. Here we're talking about an 18-year-old journey. I don't care how long it's been with you. God's got a suddenly for you in 2022. And actually... We see Jesus is going to identify. They got indignant and upset that he did it on the Sabbath. And he said she should be healed on the Sabbath. And so the inference is not Sunday, not Saturday, not the Sabbath day. The idea is today. God's saying she's been here 18 years. You've had six days a week. If you want to do it on a work day, you've had six days times 52 weeks times 18. So somebody do the math. Six times 52 times 18, and that tells you how many days they had to work this miracle. He said, you're mad at me because it happened today, and you're going to hold on to a religious tradition not caring anything about this woman. You don't give a rip about this woman. This is not sincere. You're a hypocrite. You're indignant because she glorified God, and the people glorified God, and you think you're going to lose your place because you can't match the miracle. Huh? That's exactly right. So, somebody surely got their phone out and did the math. 5,616 days to do the miracle and they hadn't done it yet. They don't need to get upset at him for doing it. <laughs> I mean, I just took the Sabbaths out of the equation. You had the Sabbaths in, well, there you go. Now, <laughs> behold, there was a woman, had a spirit of infirmity 18 years now look, was bowed together. Now this is huge because the Greek literally means the word together. 
It means bent over, bent double. It means completely together. She looks like this. And has looked like that for 18 years. I mean, if, if she's in the meeting, if she can sit down, she's like this. I mean, come on now. And he said it was a demon spirit that was doing it. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's exactly what a demon will do. It'll bend you over like that. See, a, a, a good word will make the spirit glad, but a demon spirit, it'll, it'll suppress you, bend you over, bend you down, and hold you in a broken condition. Oh, but the devil's power's broken. What happened to her is about to happen to you. She was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. It's the year of the great lifting up. I said it's the year of the great lifting up. I said it's the year of the great lifting up. Maybe there's something that happened to you you can't lift yourself out of, but he's about to. You need to know he's the glory and the lifter of your head. Glory be to God. Now, I want you to, I want you to see this. Let's go back to verse 11. I'm going to look at it in two, two uh, uh, other verses, the NIV. I just want you to see it because I think it's going to hit your spirit. It's going to strike you. Look what it says in the NIV, uh, verse 11. And, uh, and then after that will be the New Living Translation. I just want to look at a couple just to kind of give you a feel for it. Notice what it says, because King James sometimes a couple of things can get lost. Notice, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit. Crippled by a spirit. Crippled by a spirit. See, we call her spirit of infirmity, and people think she's been to the doctor. No, no, no. Too many of you have been crippled by a spirit. You've been crippled by something done to you and the demon has held you crippled emotionally. He's held you crippled in relationally. He's helped you crippled in your own mind and identity. He's held you bent over and unable to lift up yourself and even look. The idea here, and, and every, every commentator says the same thing. The Greek says she was bowed over, bent together to the degree she couldn't even lift her head. She couldn't look up. She's looking down. She's looking between her knees. She's bent over, cannot lift her head up. 18 years. We can't even conceive that kind of torment. And the religious leaders are upset when she got healed. That tells you something about holding stuff on people. Doesn't it? Yes, sir. It says the woman was crippled by a spirit. I'm telling you by the authority of the name of Jesus. There's authority in this room to break the back of every spirit that's not of the Lord Jesus Christ in any area of your life that's been crippling your walk with God. You're about to be lifted up. Things in your life are about to be made straight. You're about to come on up where you should have been. Today. I said today. In fact, I've got a couple of things. I need the worship team back up here. I just need to find that place today. I almost did it when we were in forgiveness and everybody got, you know, everybody got excited and stood up. But I'm telling you now, we're not, we're, you trust me, you're going to be up again in about two seconds here. But notice what it said today. Glory to God today. Say today. today. She was bent over, couldn't straighten up at all. Oh, but look at the, look, look at the uh, New Living Translation. Crippled by a spirit. Now look at this. He saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. Now this isn't just crippled by a spirit. Now we know this is evil. In God's eyes, this is evil. It's evil that did this, and she should be loosed. Why? Because she's a daughter of Abraham. 
Why? Because she's the family of God. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? There's a how much more miracle in the room for you. You think, wow, I tell you, I'm just glad to be alive. If I can just get a little cabin over in glory land, if I can just make it inside the pearly gate, whoo, God's just done so much for me and I've been so bad. No, he wants to put you smack dab in the middle of the street of gold. He, he wants to recreate your life. He's got fullness for you. Don't count yourself out. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You need to know he's about to straighten up any crooked way you've been thinking about yourself. He's about to straighten up any ungodly, unholy, crooked way, bent over way you've been talking about yourself. He's, been a, he's about to straighten up any crooked, unholy thing you've done that's affected your life. Come on up here, singers. Come on now. Y'all don't, don't hesitate. Glory to God. And don't make me refer to the natural. Come on. Hallelujah. Do your job. Get in your place. Praise the Lord. Yes. Now notice, let's read this. Let's read this. Let's just keep on down now. Um, we, we might as well just read verse 12 of the NLT. You're there. Just click over. Who, when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you're healed of your sickness. Yeah. Glory be to God. Daughter, he said, thou art loose from thine infirmity. Woo, glory be to God. Now, we'll go back to the King James in a minute, but I want to say that right now. Daughters, you're loosed today. Accept it. I don't care what you've done or what's been done to you, how crippled or dysfunctional you think your life was or is, how your family wasn't a traditional family, how your dad wasn't there, your mama was a, a drug addict. I don't care. Jesus doesn't care. You are not junk. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You are loose from your... You're loose today to become. You're loosed today. Woman, thou are loosed. And I sure don't care if you did it to yourself. That's even better. Because he didn't see you for who you were. He sees you for who you are and what he's created you to become. Glory be to God, thou art loosed, healed in every way. Praise the Lord. Now go back to the King James. I'll go through this quickly. I got something I want to read very quickly. And we're going to worship God and we're going to act this out. So things are about to be straightened up in your life. I said, there's some things out of order about to be straightened up in your life. we we'll start reading in verse 13. We have just a few more verses. Look. And he laid his hands on her and immediately, say immediately. immediately. Say immediately. immediately. Today. Today. My, life, My life. By the power, by the power of, the name, of the name. I am. I am. It's, making it's making me straight. Immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Next verse. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. <laughs> because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people, there are six days which men ought to work. <laughs> In them therefore come and be healed. And what Jesus is in fact saying is, okay, what, yeah, okay. In those six days when you were in the synagogue, why didn't they come to you to get healed then? If healing is a work and all those six days are work days, if the work of healing, if healing is a work of God and all those six days, that means I can be healed every day because Jesus said you can be healed, you ought to be healed on the Sabbath day. So evidently he's saying, I'm going to heal you and it won't be your work that does it. 
It won't be you cleaning up or you getting good enough or you having enough confession or you. No, I'm going to heal you because I love you. I'm going to heal you because I'm going to set you free. I'm going to make you straight even though you don't deserve it. I love you that much. I saw all that mess. You're coming into your best. I saw it all and called you anyway. And I'm taking all that bent over mess and make you straight. And that's why I brought you here to me so I could do this. Come here to me, he said. He saw her and called her over to himself. Don't you think it's about time you take all that mess to Jesus instead of trying to fix it on your work days? Next verse, glory to God. The Lord answered him. The Lord answered him. The Lord answered him. About time for the Lord to start answering some preacher's nonsense. The Lord answered him and said, you hypocritical preachers. Every one of you on the Sabbath day, did he loose his ox or his donkey from the stall, lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman? Oh, glory be to God. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan is bound. She's the daughter of Abraham. Satan is bound her. She ought to be loosed. She ought to be loosed. She should have been loosed last Sabbath. She should have been loose the Sabbath before. She should have been loose the first Sabbath 18 years ago when it first came on her. But none of y'all could do it. So I'm calling her over to me and I don't care what you say. Today is your day of straightening up. So I'm telling you as a man of God, I don't see you after the flesh. And I don't care if you've been this way 18 years. I don't care. Today is your day to come out of your 18-year mess. <laughs> now the Lord told me there's several areas he's about to straighten up both in this body and in anybody watching and any of his believers and in the body of Christ and this year these suddenlies he's going to do it number one you need to know this he's about to straighten you up that's the first thing that happened she got straight I'm telling you, if you crooked, bent over in some way, something broken in your life, it's about time today, immediately, you get straight. He's done messing with you, waiting and taking a bunch of time to figure it out. Stand up! Step out! Lift up your head and get straight! You are loose. Number two, he said to me, she's the daughter of Abraham. Say it, daughter of Abraham. That indicates a family. He said, when you get straight, your family will be made straight. That's why he's telling you to forgive folk and don't hold stuff on them. And don't hold stuff on yourself. Give me room to work. Give me room to work. Give me room to work. He's making the whole family straight. I don't care if at the family reunion they march in there all smug like and say, Mama, it's because you yelled at me so much when I was little. I'm like this. And say, No, you're grown now. It's your own fault, you ugly. Because I'm straight. About time for you to get it straight. About time for you get straight that I fed you straight meals. I sent you to school. I paid your tuition. Put a roof over your head. Took you to the doctor. Blessed you every chance I get. Protected your life. And you're going to blame me for your bent overness? No, ma'am. I will not take that on me. 
And the same Jesus that made me straight will make you straight. I'm through with your accusation and condemnation. It's coming from the same evil spirits got you bent over. And I will not accept that anymore. So I'm getting straight. I said, I'm getting straight. You getting straight. And now your family's getting straight. So I'm saying to kids, get straight. I'm saying to grandkids, get straight. I'm saying to everybody dysfunctional, been over to all my spiritual kids, stand up, do right, get straight. We got a lot of people that don't know this Jesus. And when you walk back in Albertsons, they don't need to see you been over, they need to see you straight. See, that's the deal. The very next day after she walked out of there straight, nobody ever saw her the same way again. And the day you decide to rise up is the day everybody will see you different. You can't be held in that person you used to be. If you let him straighten you up, he'll go to work and the folks closest to you and around you and everybody that's always known you. Well, you know, I was there at your christening. I'm glad, but he'd been rechristened. She'd been rechristened. They'd been reanointed, and now they're straight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm straight now. And we're not holding that on them. No, no. Oh, it's in the room, folks. I said it's in the room. Oh, yes, it is. So, number one, you're going to be made straight. Number two, your family's going to be made straight. Number three, now outside of that, all your relationships. She was straight up. That means the way people saw her from that day was different. And I'm telling you, when you leave here, there's a favor on you. And one day of favors worth a thousand days of labor. They're going to see you as a different person. A brand new man, brand new woman. Everybody around you is going to say, something happened to you. That's not the same person. What is, what are you, where are you been? What, what, how, uh, how are you, all this shaking going on, all this mess going on. Are you happy all the time? Are you full of energy? How's that happening? Oh, let me, let me introduce you to the man what made me straight. You want to know the number one key to your witness? It isn't how much you know about the Bible and trying to convince them to pray a prayer. It's them seeing you walking straight. Because why do they want to accept a Jesus that can't, that, that can't lift you up from being bent over? Number one, you. Number two, your family. Number three, your relationships. And by the way, before I move along, because I only have three more, before I move along, I want to say this to you. He told me at work. He said, relationships at work, they're about to change. The spirit of Antichrist that's surrounding you and, lo- and workers around you that don't know what you know, they're about to see you being lifted up. It's going to affect, once you see yourself different, once you begin to let him work in those you love the most immediately around you different, you're about to see every relationship of everybody you encounter is going to see you different. The cream's going to rise to the top, you watch. Because Jesus is in there and he wants to be glorified. I didn't really number these, but I'm counting them off anyway. So number four, he said, once you get straight, your family gets straight, relationships get straight. He said, number four, your soul. He said, third John 2 will be a reality for you. Beloved, I wish above all things you might prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost right now, your soul is going to be made straight. 
that crooked way you've been thinking about yourself, that bent over, bent down way that the devil's been able to get in there and accuse you and you thinking those damnable thoughts, I'll break the power of that. You stop thinking about yourself that way. You're lying about you. The blood's right about you. Jesus is right about you. He has lifted you up. Now walk straight because you are straight. People will see you straight. And in your own thinking, be straight. He told me there'd be miracles in the soulish realm today, straightening people up and straightening them out. And he did that with all the forgiveness and everything else. I see it. You're getting yours. Look there. It's coming all over you, isn't it? It's because the healer's in the house. The I am is here. Brother Tracy, you're probably not going to lay hands on you today. We're going to worship God. And, and, and all I'm seeing is I'm, I'm like his uh, available mud. I'm, I'm just, if you could let my hands be his hands and my voice be his voice, I would say to every one of you that in any way in your life has been over in any of these areas, come to me. And I don't mean me. Come to the I am. And he'll fix you on this Sabbath like he did in that Sabbath. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's touching you already, standing you up. That's why you stood up. He's made you straight. Yes, sir. Amen? Yes, sir. I don't have two more. Are you ready? Yes, he said, once you get straight, straightens up folks around you, your relationships get straight, and your soul gets right. He said, the thing you're, you're actually wanting, which you thought was the most important thing, and it wasn't the most important thing, your finances will start getting straight. Yes, sir. He said, prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He said, you get this straight, Everything else will start straightening out and lining up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So he told me there's some financial miracles coming to you. And he's going to do some work for you, even in provision on the Sabbath, that your other six days of work couldn't do. Are you with me? And the final thing he told me was, then your health will get in line. Like that man that was bitten by the snake, his hand wasn't the issue. That unforgiveness was the issue. The venom was the issue. The scar tissue was the issue. And when he got that right, he got healed. His hand began to work. He, he was so overwhelmed with grief over that event at 16 years of age when that machine gun went off around the room and it was his trigger finger, but he didn't have his finger on it. It was just the idea. He made some kind of connection. It was snake bit and it was, it was that part of his family. And he was just happy to live the rest of his life like that because he figured he deserved it because of what happened that day. Yes, sir. So you got to understand Satan is a merciless terrorist. He's a, just a, oh, I hate him. I mean, we have a mutual admiration society. He hates me and I hate him. And I mean to the nth degree. And I'm going to search and destroy a mission and my whole life's assignment is to break him off of you and get you up straight. So your health is going to be made straight. I said your health is going to be made straight. I said your health is going to be made straight. There's a great release coming. I said there's a great release coming. You'll be made strong and your body's coming in order. Put your hands on top of your head right now. I'm straight. I'm straight. Body, Body, you straighten up. You straighten up. Be, strong. Be strong. Come into order. order. Now, yes. I am loosed from this evil spirit. Woo, glory to God. It can't touch my body. It can't touch my mind. It can't touch my finances. It can't touch my family. It can't touch my heart and my life. It can't touch me in the workplace. It can't touch the people around me. 
Yeah, y'all got it. Y'all ready? You know, you know, we're right there. We're right there. We're right there. Now, wherever y'all go, and, and it doesn't need to be funeral music because ain't no funeral in here. We've straightened up in here. Glory be to God's celebration time. It's victory time. It's, it's dancing time. It's shouting time. It's standing up time. It's looking up time. It's, I'm going to tell you something. I prayed out that the Lord told me, and I'm breaking the spirit. I'm breaking. I didn't know that there were any left residue of the spirit. You know, we've been coming against constriction and obscurity and all of that. I didn't even know there was any residue left of that in the spirit realm. Now, I know it takes a while in the natural for things to happen, but I didn't know in the spirit realm. And the Lord told me it's not really in the spirit, but it's in people's thinking and their behavior. They're fine with the way things are because they actually think it's okay. And I'm telling you, the Lord spoke to me. I saw it for months now. We're, we're probably already a few months behind. I had an open vision. This entire facility was transformed I mean, totally transformed into an international television studio for, for live audience, new TV. While we're turning, and, and the school's got to start. Yes. So whatever's in our hands, got to come in our hands now to start that school. And then two buildings are supposed to turn around, and the campus got to come up. And the Lord told me the slow nature with which this is manifesting now is becoming a dishonor to him because it's not demonstrating the excellence of what he's doing in this place. I didn't know that till this morning. And I repented over it. I said, God, I repent over that. I'm not going to leave all this junk laying around in the back. It's a dishonor to the excellence of the glory. Miracles are happening in the room, but nobody can know it because we can't even pick up the trash. It's what happened to him in Nazareth. It's this familiarity that he's dealing with. It's this bent over condition thinking that's okay. I'll tell you, I, I don't have time to tell the story, but it's a father-son story. Some of you heard it, many people have it. And so if I start telling it in any detail, I'll wind up too long. I don't want to do that. We need to worship right now. But I am going to tell you this much. When Matthew got his first car, which is the law of sowing and reaping, he did what I told him not to do. I thought it was being a good father. He had a wreck and the bumpers laying in the street. Next thing you know, and so forth, so on, it doesn't matter. Point is, I said, well, son, you know, we don't have the money to pay the deductible right now, and yada, yada. And I said to him, some of y'all heard this story. I said to him, so, you know, you're just going to put up with I hate it, son, but you have to put up with this for a while until we can, you know. I thought I was being a good father, teaching him a lesson, and the Lord crawled me. I don't mean, I'm talking about, I was on my way to Little Rock to take a Southwest. I never flew Southwest. I remember it because it was so vivid to me. I'm fly, flying Southwest that day. That was different. I'm going to Little Rock, and I flew out of Little Rock. I'm going to the meeting, and I'm halfway there, and the Lord said, I said, he said, uh, I want you to fix Matthew's bumper. I said, Lord, okay, I will when I get home and when the money comes, we, okay. He said, a second time, stronger, I want you to fix Matthew's bumper. I said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll do that when I get home. I, he said, I said, fix his bumper. I said, oh, okay, uh, done. I said, now, you know, I can't make, I can't do it while I'm out of town, but I mean, the, the moment, the moment, I'll make arrangements, I'll phone, I'll, I'll call. I mean, it was one of those, yes, sir? But if you, it's kind of like this, like, if you don't mind me asking. <laughs> I thought I was being a good father. What did I, well, why are you so adamant about this? He said, no, you're not being a good father. He said, the only thing you're teaching him right now is if he has a wreck in life, it's going to be a long time until he gets it restored. He said, so when you get home, you get on your knees in front of him and repent. Tell him you thought you were doing right, but you were actually doing wrong. And that you are his earthly representation of me. 
and you repent to him. And tell them that if he has a wreck in his life, and tell him you're going to get that bumper fixed immediately and that I'm the one told you to do it. And then you tell him, if he has a wreck in life, come immediately to me and I'll fix it immediately. Well, this has been some time, see, already. And God had to arrest this because when I told him, he, he just couldn't hardly stand it. I'm on my knees in front of him. He's like, Dad, dude, you know, he's a teenager. He's like, I I mean, it just really, it just so out of order to him. And he, and I, but it was perfectly in order. And I repented and I repented to him. And he said, oh, dad, don't, no, no, dad, no, no. He said, it's all right. He said, honestly, honestly, it's, it, it, it doesn't bother me that much anymore. And when he said that, it's like somebody ran a sword through my belly. I doubled over then and started weeping. And that really made him uncomfortable because I realized what I had done. I was training him to put up with the consequences of a wreck. And now that's the best I can have. It's okay, it's fine. The red tail I take from Walmart. And no bumper on the back of the car. Is that the best the name of Jesus can do? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, sir. I'm telling you, it's time you bring whatever it is in your life that's dishonorable and broken to the I am today. Yes, sir. It's just time. And it's time to quit waiting a long time to do it. It's over. I'm telling you, the Lord is emphatic with me. You don't have time to do what you know you should have already done. And I heard this as I was praying in the spirit today and I heard it, the cry of my heart came out in English. You're worthy. I began to thank him. We had so many miracles in this last meeting. That city, that church will never be the same. Every meeting we've done, miracle after miracle after miracle, people getting delivered from drug addiction, people getting delivered from lifelong situations, people having creative miracles, body parts lining up, pop, 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 pop. I mean, glory to God. Angels visiting people, translating them back into the meeting, coming out of rebellion and, and taking them back into the meeting. I don't have time to tell you all the miracles. Every, we've had this on six continents all over the world. Jesus has been doing it all through our life and ministry. But he's making a point to give me immediate feedback and a point to give me feedback from years ago and that what I've done all over the world has always been attended to by this miracle power. And now in Jesus' name, he wants it done. He wants it done today. The time is short. He wants his body rising up. The harvest is ripe. And he's about to make you straight, your family straight, your relationship straight, your soul straight, your finances straight, your body straight, your life straight so that he can get honor from the excellence you're demonstrating to other people. This is the final thing I'm going to say to you. Get on out of your seat. Respond to God. I'm done. You need to hear it. You got ears to hear. You can walk in here at the same time. And you need to stay in the presence of God. Now I'm going to break this up. I'm going to break it up. I'm telling you, this sit down and listen, listen to me. Society's over. Yes, sir. I'm telling you, it's over. And so is the shoulder to shoulder line where the man's doing all the laying on the hands. When you come to the altar now, now, if I tell you it's a healing line and I have the ushers up here to line you up, that's different. But don't come up here habitually and line up like I'm going to lay hands on you.
You're not coming to me. You're coming to him. So get together, wad up, come to the altar, do what you've got to do, but get out of line and get in line with him. The Lord said to me, honor him. He said for me to tell you from today, since he's straightening you up, to honor him. And here's how he told me to tell you to honor him. The way you live, what people see. When they saw that woman leave synagogue that day, they didn't see the same woman. Every day, every person for the rest of our life, whoever saw her brought honor to him because now she's made straight. Honor him. You hear me? And you first do it with your life. They see you upright. They see you in order. They see you not blown from pillar to post. They see you stable. It's a great honor to the excellence of the Savior in your soul. And he said, honor him with your life, the way you live, what people see. Listen now. He said this to me. Honor him with the presentation of your body. Now, I could get in real trouble for this. People could call me racist and all kind of stuff, but I'm way beyond that as I'm in the spirit now. And anybody that's attached to us knows there's not a racist bone in my body. As far as I'm concerned, there isn't but two races that even exist. God's kingdom, God's kids, and the devil's kids. I mean, there's really only two classes of people in the whole planet. Because in Christ, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. So you need to understand, when you come in Christ, you're a different person. And God's people ought to live straight. And I don't care what culture you come from. And, and, and seeing as how, seeing as how, they could think, I'm a middle-aged, I mean, people that, that operate in the site. They could say, ah, yeah, yeah, you old southern white boy, you know, thumping Bibles and, you know, you're not woke. You're right. I woke up a long time ago, and my eyes have been wide awake to the demon that's on you. I'm woke, all right. I'm woke that you're bowed over by a crippling spirit and don't even know it. That you're better than having your pants halfway down to your knees. Are you listening to me? Now, you heard me say it. I mean it. Not because I think it's racial. It's dishonorable. It has nothing to do with race. I feel the same way about these white kids. Now, I don't see them as white or black, but you need to hear what I'm saying to you. I feel exactly the same way. I mean, let's just talk about both sides of the fence. These chains and studs and tats, fainting your fingernails black, this goth mess, dishonorable. It's a demon spirit. It's coming off our kids. I said it's coming off our kids. Oh, I feel the anointing on me now. I can sense it. God's honoring me about this. There's a generation of deliverers rising up, and I break the spirit of depression, and I break the spirit of suicide off our kids, and it will not take our children out. God is making our lives straight. Do you get this? 
So you're going to live honorable, listen now, with your life, the way you live, what people see, the presentation of your body. He told me your countenance, your attitude, and your energy. He told me that it's dishonorable for you to come in here and have an explosion of the power of God and you sit there like you just can't hardly move. That's dishonorable. Christians are full of life. Act like it. Christians are full of joy. Act like it. Anything else is dishonorable to the glorious king. <laughs> I heard the Lord just say, tell them there's about to be some translations and transfigurations of their personality. I believe in glory to God. It's not the way you were made. And if it was, you're made a new creature now. If you think that's the way you were made, the devil made you that way. Now you're a new creature. He made you a different way. So you need to know God formed you. Satan may have deformed you, but Jesus transformed you. Now get your eyes up, get your heart up, get your life up, get your presentation up, get life in your spirit. Oh, glory be to God. Because the King, the I am, the I am. Glory to God. Now come to him. Come to the I am. Let him make it straight. Oh, glory to God.